Welcome everybody to today's call. We are going to be talking about the frustrations that some experience in dealing with different choices people make in relation to their training. It's the frustration that a coach may experience and many of you I'm sure could relate to this. My name is Ian King and today we'll be talking specifically to Rick out of Western Australia and Ronald out of Indonesia. So Rick, you've just got to unmute yourself. That's it. And confirm your audio. Yep, I'm here. Can you hear me? Excellent. Thank you, Rick. And then we're waiting for the same for Ronald. So, Ronald, actually, um, you've got two entries, so I'll just unmute. Ronald, try that now. Yeah. Can you hear me? Excellent. Thank you. Welcome both of you to the call and welcome everybody else to the call. I'll start with a chat with Rick and Ronald and then we'll open the call up for questions. At any time that you do have a question during the call, you just need to put your hand up electronically speaking and I'll see it on the panel and I'll bring you in. So you're welcome to, to chime in, participate, join in at any stage that you want. So Rick and Ronald, the, the intriguing thing for me was that within a matter of about a week, both of you expressed the sentiment to me, uh, a level of frustration or somewhat of a shock. And in the description to the event uh, for this call, I described how you can come out of the wilderness and discover KSI and em embrace the content and then go back and be exposed again to mainstream thinking and get a little bit of a shock because the case away is a little different. Now, how you handle that shock is probably the thing that separates us. So that's something I wanted to talk about. It's a phenomenon that happens to just about everybody. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of an example. Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when I was teaching um, in American seminars, my speed timing methods and other unique concepts, which at that time, um, uh, the imitators hadn't published, uh, published at all. Um, people would go away from my events and be you know, excited to go home and try them and then struggle with them and then people would criticize them from them and they'd give it up real quick so you know i've seen this phenomenon unfolding over the last 20 30 years it's not new so let's start with um let's start with ronald ronald without naming names and throughout the call you know our approach is we don't want people to shoot the messenger, we want them to listen to the message. So one way to avoid having the messenger shot is to avoid personalizing it. So avoid naming names, et cetera, et cetera. But Ronald, you've, you've been involved now, uh, level eight, level one, I believe, um, and you've, you've, you've been exposed to some, some new stuff, you like it, and you're struggling as I see it at this point in time, dealing with the why everybody isn't doing the KSOA. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, that's a fair summary. And um, what I what I tend to find is a, a I mean, I, I find myself getting very frustrated because genuinely I'm trying to help people and help people find uh, a better way to train. And uh, I believe that the the KS, KSI philosophies is is trying to adopt these principles and have done for many years. And uh, I just find it very frustrating when you're trying to get across to people that you're training too much, you're training too much, and you're trying to pull them back. I understand. So, Rick, can you relate to that? Yeah, I sure can. Um, working primarily at the moment in the uh, soft tissue therapy department, um, over the past 11 years, seeing a lot of people come onto my, come through my, my door, onto the table, and there's been a bit of a pattern emerging, but, um, it's probably only in the last few years that um, my eyes have been opened a lot more to the reasons why. 
um, and obviously being exposed to KSI is really uh, cracking the egg off, I suppose you could put it that way, um, into, as you say, the, what, what can be the correct way to train for longevity rather than you know the short-term goal. And it seems to me that um, the industry is, a, well, particularly, I suppose, mainstream, mainstream fitness uh, is geared towards short-term goals and short-term gratification. Um, so I'm kind of like moving over to that part now of not only treating people but hopefully um, giving them some advice and help so that they basically don't, don't have to come and see me. That's, that's um, the long-term goal. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a pattern. Okay, so I've got a question back with Ronald. Ronald, before you were exposed to KSO Way, do you think you might have been doing some of the things that you're seeing others doing now? Yes, I was, but um, the the philosophy that I I've, I had I was lucky enough to have a, a a rugby coach who was very adamant in the in the stretching pre pre rugby, and uh, I sort of follow, I have always followed that principle. So I was I was happy when the KSI way uh, was backing that sort of thing up. Um, but as in volume training, yes, I was I was experiencing a lot of uh, setbacks in my routines when I was doing volume training and picking up little niggly injuries. And then once I was more exposed to KSI, then I, as I said, the, the penny dropped and then I realized that, well, I've been doing it all along all wrong myself so that's probably a fair fair uh, fair thing to say that um i was following the same patterns as well so do you think your frustration comes from that they take a different path or your frustration do you feel you're helpless to help them a, a bit of both really um because i know some a lot, a lot of people get set in their ways and and uh, it's, it's very difficult to get out because they're they're following these the so-called gurus and uh, and when when you're trying to put them down that path they just sort of tend to say well what do you know and and, and that's what i find uh, more frustrating because genuinely i'm trying to help people so, Rick, do you do you experience frustration when you're seeing different directions, or is it not a frustration for you? Oh, it definitely is. Um, you know, I've just had a case last week, uh, a client coming to see me after a long period of not seeing me and asked a few questions about what was going on and why, and, and then they went on to tell me they went to uh, sign up with the gym and sign up for 10, I think it was 10 or 20 personal training sessions and specifically asked the trainer, look, I, I just want to, you know, start out easy and work my way back into it. That was her words. Uh, I don't want to be hurt, uh, but the it obviously went in one ear and out the other, and she was uh, hurt after the first session, and she doesn't want to go back, and it's kind of frustrating, but I'm kind of glad in a way because now she's come back to me, and I'm, I'm going to change things hopefully for her, but um, there's definitely a frustration that, that seems to be, a, and that's not just one case, there's, there's several people being given exercises. Um, <laughs> I heard a story today, um, a novice was in a class and was told to jump over a BOSU ball and 
ended up rolling their ankle. Now they can't train for the next however long it's going to take them to get over that. And just, I suppose, yeah, the stories go on. It's very frustrating. Mm. Yes, the old, old jump off the Swiss ball, uh, squat on the Swiss ball, break your ankle or um, uh, rip your knee apart sort of thing. So yeah. I've got a question. Do both of you think that training has the potential to significantly change a person structurally or, or functionally? Do you see training, including strength training, is a significant stimulus to change a person's body? Oh, for sure. Um, it and it's, I suppose it depends. It can change them in, in, a, in a negative way or a positive way. Um, so the trick, I suppose, is to find the positive way, and that's where, I suppose, KSI comes into it. Um, uh, but looking at it more holistically, I know from my point of view anyway, from what I do now and, and, and have been doing, um, assessing basics like postural imbalance um, and working from there to rather than giving things to the giving clients advice um, that's going to actually damage them in the long term. So it's possible that, that due to the potential of, say, strength training to change a person structurally or functionally, that ideally the ability to advise someone would not be in the hands of the masses as it is now. I mean, to become a, a certified personal trainer, how long would that take? I think nowadays, um, in well, from what what I hear around the traps around here in Perth, um, people are doing these courses. I think it's Cert Four, and they're doing them in less than you know eight weeks or a few months, and that's crazy. Uh, yeah, I shake my head when I hear that. I don't know how so that possibly. We probably yeah. all agree that the. the the, the entrance levels are pretty low for for our industry. Is that a fair comment? Oh, sure. Yeah. And it, it's a relatively young, relatively young industry, and that that in part explains why that is. So you could say regulation is the, is the answer, but then the question I raise is, who who's a regulator? And I think not just that. I think it's they want to. Um, it's probably. A volume thing. These the people who are running these particular courses. They want to get as many in and out as they possibly can, and they don't really care how they do it as long as they get their the money. That's what I see anyway. I see it as that's just a generalisation. What, what I'm alluding to is that even if even if there was a solution for the low standard of the industry, it might create a whole new problem in that. What if the the regulator standards were off track, or the regulation standards were still too low? So. I don't see a solution, at least definitely not in the short term, um, for the industry standards. So what we're left with is a divergence of opinions. Is that a, is that a fair comment, Ronald? Is that a, is that a, just a, a whole diversion of opinions from the influencers, the people who, who are successful in influencing the marketplace? Yeah, and, and it, it really depends on who their influences are. Um, I spoke to a like a a so-called guru in Indonesia and I asked him who his who his mentor was and he said he didn't have one he was he was his own mentor which I found it very like so amusing and this guy is running a like a, 
a top platform in Indonesia and he's churning out trainers. And uh, I just found that sort of bemusing. Um, and when I mentioned um, some of mine and like um, he, he didn't even know. And I think there's a lot of people don't know who who yourself is and um, and and that and when 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 you when you find someone like yourself and then you find what you're teaching and what what philosophies you're you're bringing to the place you you don't look at any other gurus you don't you don't listen to any other gurus so is it fair to liken different training philosophies to say different religions and i, I don't want to don't want to um lighten religion or um devalue or undervalue it or upset him on its religious values but it's fair to say there's a, there's a diverse range of um spiritual or religious beliefs in the university would that be a fair comment yeah and that would that would be a fair comment yeah and so while they're not exactly the same you you, you could see a similarity between diversity in religion and, and diversity in training beliefs and really what are the chances of the whole world having the same religious or spiritual belief? Yeah, very low. And, and and attempts to unify them haven't always ended well. If 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 the wars that have been fought in the name of religion were truly fought in the name of religion, and there's question marks about that, they weren't very successful. Uh, many many countries, for example, have invaded other countries and attempted to suppress their the domestic spiritual practices or religion and impose their own and that hasn't always worked out that well i mean i don't think even the english were successful in ireland um to the extent that they would have liked uh, in in the regard to suppression of the dominant irish religion at the time so if historically the world hasn't had much success in unifying religion what chance is there a unifying training yeah, it's a very, very low possibility, I think. I, I, I'm not sure if it can happen. Uh, no. And even if you look at political ideologies, you, you could say that the world has become more democratic, but there are still a few outliers to that, and namely Russia, China, North Korea, and you know, what, are the, what are the likelihood of the world unifying from a a political perspective, um, you know, not in our lifetimes, I wouldn't imagine. No. So the interesting thing with religion is that those who believe in the righteousness of their religion have a common theme belief, I suggest, which is I'm right and the, and the other religion is wrong. And that in itself can cause problems, as you can imagine. Definitely. It's not, uh, it doesn't work too well if people are offended by other people's religions and want to want to show them that they're right or break them down so that they agree with them, etc. So if, if religion, if, if lack of tolerance in religion is a problem and, and religious tolerance is a problem do you think training methodology intolerance could be a problem mm, yeah sure
What do you think, Ronald? Could if we were intolerant of other people's training beliefs, would that lead to a problem? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because everyone is. I think it. Um, what it comes down to, in a lot of respects, is, is people's egos, and um, they are they are not they're not willing to try anything um, like another way of training because they think their training's the best. Um, I've always been sort of open in a way to training and trying new things, um, experimenting things on myself and on clients and just to see what how the body how the how the person's react to the, the training itself so i've always been open to that um but when people start saying this way or no way i just sort of shake my head and turn a blind eye sometimes so let's take stretching for example because stretching of all the physical qualities of the four physical qualities is identified by barbara and, and is endorsed by myself with strength, speed, flexibility, and endurance. Of all the four physical qualities, flexibility is the one that stands out from the others in the current times where there are a significant number of people who completely emphatically deny its role. Now, everybody almost on the planet has some agreement of strength training, or we've got to do it. They have some agreement of endurance training, if it's appropriate, some agreement on, on Speed training, if it's appropriate, but the flexibility is one where you can really see the differences. And I know, Rick, the experience you had recently, where you went to a, a professional development program, where the international speaker or one of the international speakers made a fairly firm statement: nobody should stretch. And yeah. and your reaction to that was was probably you know, caused a little bit of internal perturbation, caused you a little bit of internal conflict. Would that fair to say? Oh, definitely. Um... And it, yeah, you know, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing, but um, because it wasn't backed up with any kind of empirical evidence or any kind of evidence, um, which is what I was waiting for. Um, it was kind of a broad statement made by someone, but yeah, it's um, well, you you make a really good point there in that the people will tell you that, that there's no evidence to support stretching, uh, don't have any evidence to support not stretching. So the, the word, there's no evidence to support that, is used um, conveniently in most instances, and no, there's no more evidence or even less evidence to support an alternative. But the bottom line is those of us who believe in stretching, and it's like, you know, it's almost like the Inquisition period where books were being burned and you believed in, being, in reading, you believed in reading books, and you believed in you wanted to read books, and you thought reading books was good for people, but the authorities have ruled that all the books had to be burned and no one was allowed to read. And, and that's just a, a, an example, even though it is extreme, of times in the world's history where decisions have been made for certain reasons um, that you might not feel comfortable about the decision. So you know, we're in a, we're in a period of flexibility is banned. It's bad. You've got to do it. Stop it. You, you know, you'll be ostracised. You'll be denigrated. Blah blah blah. But and that's the choice of others. But when it comes to you, you're stretching, and 95% of the population aren't stretching. Does that offend or frustrate you? That's a question for you, Rick. Uh, Ronald first, and then Rick. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it offends me and it affects me in both ways. Um, because I've always as a, I've always done it myself, but certainly not to the extent of what the KSI is is preaching. And but once I start, once I started to incorporate more stretching into my routines, um, I found that oh, such a huge difference. And when I've sort of 
I've sort of taken that across to some of my clients, um, and they've started to feel the benefits, and they they think that they've like you, you've given them a magic pill, but and and for very little like uh, okay, you spend a lot more time. Um, it's it's time consuming, but in the long term, it's definitely worth it. I've felt I've no aches and pains in my body where I used to have. Um, I'm probably doing. I'm up to about six, six and a half hours a week stretching, um, three hours um, doing physical prep, and out of that physical prep, of probably about forty-five sets of, of strength training exercises. But once, once you, once you try and tell that to people, they, they just, they find it hard to believe because they just want, what is that all I'm getting? I, I want more. I want more. I want more. But when you try and tell them that this is how athletes train and even even um, they put in more hours in stretching and they, they can't get their head around that so what about you rick does is that yes um, carrying on from what ronald just said yeah i agree i, I was always before i well, back in the late 90s when i was playing um, high-level district cricket here in Perth, and I uh, this is before I knew anything about KSI. I always was a massive fan of stretching, and I used to have my own little routine that went for about half an hour before training, and I used to do it also in the morning and before I went to bed at night. So it was either two times a day, or if we were training that day, it was it was three. Until someone came up with a statement, "Oh no, the latest uh, science says stretching's bad." <laughs> This is back then, um, so I've kind of always, but I didn't you know, listen to them, of course. And I've always been a fan of it, but like Ronald said, it's um, probably not to the same level as KSI stretching. So, um, so it's very frustrating when you hear um, those statements being made. And a lot of also what I hear is when I ask people, ask clients, are you stretching? The first thing they say, oh yeah, I, I roll twice a day, and you try and say, well, look, rolling's not stretching <laughs> for a start. It's 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 a it's a great form of tension release, but if you want to, you know, increase um, the length of your your soft tissue, really, stretching is the only way to go. Um, but it's frustrating because they're being obviously told by uh, other uh, professionals not to do it, so they're getting a contradiction, and they're looking at me, thinking, well, hold on, I've just been told by such and such, so what do you know? And it's um, one way I've kind of been really taking a note. One thing I've been taking notice of recently is um, reading the newspaper and looking at injury rates in the sports that I follow in particular, and trying to reference that and say to clients, "Well, look at the injuries that are currently occurring in top-level sport, and these are high-paid, full-time professionals who aren't stretching probably the way they should be. Oh, I know they are." <laughs> from the fact because I've got a few uh, high-level clients that have told me they don't stretch. So sometimes that's a good way of getting the point across and they start to, um, their ears prick up a bit then. But, um, yeah, like Ronald said, once they try it and they, they actually feel the difference, um, yeah, it's um, it makes a massive change. As you know, I agree with you both. I'm just going to sidebar here. What, someone's asked whether there's uh, visuals, and it's just an audio only. Just hopefully I answer that question. I'm just struggling with the, the the answer panel. So the answer to that question was there is no um, vis the video. It's just an audio. 
but if you do have any further questions, certainly put your hand up. So I, I, I'm very happy that you're seeing the benefits. And, and obviously, people are making decisions about things without finding out for themselves. And that's the way of the world, the way the world thinks, is that if someone tells you, um, you don't, you shouldn't find out for yourself. You just do what you're told. Uh, if someone says that X and Y is bad, then you avoid X and Y. You don't actually find out for yourself. And any, anybody who has a, has an opinion about stretching but hasn't actually stretched, it's not their opinion. They're, they're simply um, echo, echoing the thoughts of others. But the, the question more pertinently is when others do not stretch, how do you handle that? And, and I, want, I want to tell you that I get a lot of people saying, oh, you know, this person, this expert, A, a B and C, just wrote an article about how stretching is really bad. It must really upset you. And I, and I say, well, I just want to let you know, I, I, I actually not only don't mind it, I actually like it. Because to confirm a hypothesis, you need to test all the variables. So you've got a variable of stretching, you've got a variable of not stretching. As, as inhumane as it is, because it is inhumane, if, if I was to plan a, a, a study from a, from a humane perspective and, and get athletes to train without stretching, for me, that would be, that would be cruel and unusual punishment. That would be inhumane. Obviously, that's not the, the world might show the value, but so for me, when I see people who don't stretch, I actually appreciate it. And, and I, I really like to learn from them because my learning comes from studying the cause effect relationships of individuals and groups when they do a certain training stimulus and see what happens to them. Now, you could say it's not quite as controlled as, a, as a inverted commas research study, but I suggest that it's more than adequate enough to call, to add to a, a hypothesis. So when I see people willing to, to, to take the path of no stretching or any other path that's different to the way I teach, it doesn't cause me a sense of frustration. Frustration is not something that comes up for me. It's actually pure delight because I want to see if there's 101 ways to training. I need to study those 101 ways. I don't need to do them all. I just need to study them to get an idea of the potential for them and obviously if i see value in them then i'll experiment with it personally and professionally but i've been around a while i've reached certain conclusions so just letting rick and ronald know that i actually like it when people don't train like i recommend uh, obviously if they were my clients that's a different story and we will get to that but as far as what the world is doing i, I celebrate it now, let's talk, uh, before I go on to the next point, actually, I just want to get a, a response from either Rick or Ronald. What, what, what are your thoughts about that, Rick or Ronald, what I just said? Yeah, well, first, yeah, um, I see what you're getting at there, observing what's going on um, and learning from that. Learning from what's going on around you is probably a better way than, and maybe more productive as well, mentally, than getting all frustrated about it. <laughs> um, and personally, I think, um, yeah, I suppose walking the walk, so actually training myself the way that I'm thinking is also a, a big thing for me so that I can, so I know what it, what it all feels like, whether it's the, you know, you, whether it's flexi flexibility or the lines of movement um, theory or the, the three-digit timing, all those things that I, I've, started to do and it's it's been amazing so I, I think you have to actually do it first yourself and then you can um, truly believe in it and yeah, like you say don't get frustrated if others don't 
don't do it. Just observe. It's a good way to look at it. Observe what's what's happening to them. So I actually want to stay their friend. People people who let's say I publish a blog and I say, you know, consider learning your kettlebell activities for the following reason. The people attack me. I say, well, you can you can do what you want, but listen, I want to be your buddy because I want to actually continue to study the impact on your body. I, I, I want to be around to see what it does to your body. And quite simply, if I'm in a sport and if I'm coaching an athlete in a given sport and their competitors, the other athletes they're competing against have a different approach. It is my personal commitment to find a way to beat them. And it's happened to me on many occasions, uh, even in the same uh, team where certain athletes have decided that they might have known better and wanted to go on a different path. And I said, fantastic. Uh, my goal is to make you redundant. My goal is to eliminate you from the competition. My goal is to make you unselectable. So I embrace the opportunity to test my training methods or my training philosophies against a different approach. And when I successfully, well, not I, but when the athletes are willing to beat them, uh, or when we when we uh, take the selections away from them, in other words, we get selected instead of they do. If it's a team in, event, etc., it's a it's it's really rewarding evidence of the direction you're taking. So because I'm not attached to this way, I'm, I'm attached to the outcome. I enjoy the opportunity to compete against them, and I relish the opportunity to not only dominate them, but to destroy them in competition. And if you're not willing to take on that, I believe that you're not sure about yourself. So I, I'm, I'm very happy for people to have a different view, and I'm very happy to study them long term, and I'm very happy to compete against them, so to speak. Um, what I'm not happy to do is I'm not going to argue with them. Uh, I'm not going to engage in their bullshit comments, their, you know, their derogatory comments. You know, I'm just not going to get in the sandpit and play that game with them. But I'm more happy to be their friend, no matter how many sticks or stones they're throwing at me. Um, I'm going to hang around, watch what you do, learn from it, um, and along the way, fulfill the promise of my coaching by destroying them, uh, competitively speaking. Now, I, I wanted to turn my attention to uh, one more point, but before I do, I just want to answer the question, and we just got a question here. Is stretching effective for ooh, ungluing muscles, muscle adhesions? Okay, what do we need? There's more to that, actually. Why don't we take the, the, the person off? We're going to take you off because I can't read the end of the question. So let's, um, we just got a question. So I'm going to take, um, I'm just uh, not sure how to pronounce. I know we've had communication before, but if you could help me with your name pronunciation, just unmute yourself. So the person who asked the, que the question about ungluing their muscles, you just need to unmute yourself and you can ask that question in person. Okay, so at this stage, they haven't found the unmute button. Um, I'll see if I can get the rest of their, their question. Is stretching effective for ungluing muscles, muscles, adhesions, or what do we need? And that's what I'm up to. I'm just looking to read the rest, and I'm not having a win with that. Um, and I'm inviting them to ask me in person. I just can't read the rest of that question. So it'd be, it'd be good to know what you mean by ungluing muscles, muscle adhesions. Um, uh, while waiting for you to clarify that in the second half of your question, I'm going to make this comment. We often use terms to describe what's happening in the body. And it's a little bit of, of a, it's a little bit assumptive, and I don't have a problem with that per se, but it's a, it's too assumptive because 
if you've lost range, for example, in a muscle or, or around a joint, you know, is it a muscle adhesion or is it osteophyte development? Is it nerve um, impairment? Like there, there are so many things before we assume it's 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 uh, a muscle adhesion. Um, and the, the, the challenge with rehabilitating a, a joint or muscle that's lost range is knowing which of the three and, and in what balance to use, length, tension, and stability. Because sometimes range improves when you improve your stability. And sometimes you can't improve your stability to improve range. So there's no one situation that's the same or no two situations are the same. I like to treat each situation uniquely. I like to test the joint and the muscle in each scenario and come up with a hypothesis as to what balance of those three training modalities to use, what sequence to do them in, and what focus to give each of them. In other words, how to prioritize them. So hopefully I've answered that question, but if you discover the mute button, um, you can get further clarity, but I appreciate that question. So coming back to the discussion about dealing with the, the people's choices. If I provide to a, athletes in my care, the same training that the masses are doing, how are we going to gain a competitive advantage? The only chance we've got is that if they've got other superiorities like genetic superiorities or experience, which they may well have. But the bottom line is I'm not helping the athletes I work with by doing what everyone else is doing. And as part of my belief that there's a better way and I'm committed to find that better way, I will always be ahead of the curve. I will always be doing things that Others aren't, and when I publish them, they will always challenge. They'll always, you know, throw stones, uh, arrows in the back for the pioneer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Of course, five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty, forty years later, they're all doing it, and someone else published it, obviously. Um, and of course, it was always known. We always knew that, and that's the three stages of truth that I talk about uh, and use that quote quite often. But the, the message I want to get across is that if you're doing what everyone else is doing then how are you really helping? I mean, I can walk around every playing field in the world and I can see everybody warming up the same way. They, they throw stretching out. They're going to start off with walking lunges, um, hip rolls, uh, lie on their back, flick their, you know, hyperextend their sacroiliac joints. You know, there, there, there's um, side lunges, karaoke. There, there's just, you know, half a dozen drills that everybody's doing, no matter what sport, what age, what sporting level. And how the hell can that be the best thing for them all? Like they're all just copying each other. So that's my first concern. So not only, not only am I willing to do it differently, if, if I'm doing what everyone else is doing, I haven't tried hard enough. I haven't done my due diligence to provide the best for the athlete that I could have. My, my, and, and therefore, if I'm doing things before others do them, like I'll do today what others will do tomorrow, it's also saying that Charlie Francis, the late Charlie Francis, speed coach out of Canada, embraced. If I'm in that space, what percentage of the people are going to be doing what everyone else is doing? I mean, what percentage am I going to occupy and what percentage am I, are doing what everyone else is doing? What do you reckon, Ronald or um, Rick? Well, I, as you said, 90% uh, of the people um, are following um, high-intensity programs and getting 10% success. And the people who are following 10%, um, like, doing low low volume programs are getting 90% uh, success so it's a 90 10 a 90% 10% split absolutely so it's in that vicinity so the, the reality is the majority of people are not going to be doing what I'm doing 
And, and if that's not the case, I'm not working hard enough. Now, the tough thing for that is that if you don't feel comfortable being in the, in the, the, the paradigm shifting space, then it's not the space for you because we're, we're, I'm always going to be providing something that's ahead of the curve. And it, it means I've got to be pretty thick skinned. Um, you know, from the 80s onwards, I've been fairly heavily attacked professionally, personally, uh, on everywhere except the scoreboard. There's not much attack on the scoreboard. Um, that's that's been pretty kind of me. Um, but that's just where we live. So it's really important not to be frustrated because I'm telling you now, if you follow my path, 90 to 95% of the population are going to be doing something different. That's a lot of frustration if you got caught up in it. And the next point is this. How many people are on the planet? Seven billion. Six, seven billion? Like, there's a few people. 1.4 billion in mainland China, approximately. You know, we've got 300 plus million in, in America, but who's counting and the wall's not built yet, so who, you know, that's a joke. Um, you know, a lot of people on the planet. How many people on a one-on-one -on -one basis can you handle in your practice? Maximum ten. Sorry, you go. Yeah, you're right. You, you, um, Ron said about ten. Rick, how many how many clients do you have at any one point in time? Well, I'm one on one, but I was just thinking about the seven billion people on the planet. Really, that presents seven billion different individuals. So, you know, the the principle of individualization that you've written extensively about, which has been ignored, that's probably something that comes to my mind, that there's, I work one-on-one -on -one with someone, um, and there's, yeah, it's, it's going to be, each person's different, so it's, you can't possibly be giving the same thing to everyone else, which, yeah, it's, it's almost, um, it's so simple, it's, it's not, you can't see why, I can't see why it's not being adhered to. Well, the absence of individualization is a topic in itself. Uh, you know, at, at my peak of my service career, I probably processed individually between 300 and 500 athletes on an ongoing basis in a given year. Um, and I, that's, that's a lot, but I, I've got the ability to process a lot of people. And that's individually, as in programming individually. And there is a lot of work in that. But what I'm saying is that you, you, you and I, on a personal one-on-one -on -one basis, can only serve so many people. Right? It, it, it's somewhere between 10 and ten and 500, let's say, a year, and you'd have to be pretty good to do the upper numbers to do it well. Uh, I'm not talking about group training. I'm talking about genuine one-on-one, -on -one, all-year-round programming or year-in, year-out programming. We, we really don't need that many people to be professionally successful. Anywhere between 10 and 50 clients for the average person will fill their book, and depending upon their charging rate as to their earning ability, but you know, 10 to 15 people. My message is this, your goal is to find the 10 to 50 people who want to who want to play with you, not the 7 billion people minus the 10 to 50 who have a different opinion. So for me, the fact that someone trains differently, my only question is, do you want my guidance? Yes or no? I mean, I'm obviously not that simple, but generally speaking, not literally, but figuratively speaking, that's a process. And the minute I sense they don't want an opinion, they don't need me. Now, why why would why would trainers be concerned by that? 
do, do you understand the premise that's at stake here by so having a client that wasn't really doing what you what you wanted yeah. them to do? What, what's what's at stake here? Well, there I suppose there's a, a fear they're fearing losing people because they they want to be like everyone else. Whereas if they start maybe doing things a little bit differently, that they worry they might lose their client base because their confidence is. It's, it's a pure fear factor. It's a scarcity mentality. You know, if someone comes to you and says, "I wanted to throw kettlebells around. I want to do CrossFit. I want to do walking lunges, and I don't want to stretch." They're just echoing the dominant pop popular trends of, of of our current time. Now, if you're a trend follower, you'll probably give them that. If you're scared of scarcity, you you might give them that. But if you have a different belief, or and if you don't have a scarcity mentality, you might say, "The fantastic Billy Billy blogs down the road is probably pretty good at that. Why don't you go and see Billy?" Or to be politically correct, what's a female version of Billy? Oh, I don't know. But you know, so just being. <laughs> yeah. My Democrat friends. So that's American term. Now, anyway, um, what I'm saying is that don't spend too much time fussing over those who don't play. Your goal is to identify those who want to play with you, those who trust your opinion, and those who want to work with you. And you know, their focus in their case, our coaching program is to help people identify and attract people who trust them. Yeah. The, the, the criticisms and the fears and the concerns and the frustrations of the personal training industry, for example, like, you know, my clients aren't motivated, they don't turn on time, they cancel on me, blah, blah, blah. They wouldn't occur if there was a different client-coach relationship. But they've, they've brought that on themselves by endorsing the values of the industry. The values of the industry is I'm your motivator, whereas the KSOA obviously is not, I'm not your motivator, I'm your guide. So there's a lot of differences there. but. I just wanted to, as we get closer to the end of our chat, I just wanted to reinforce that those who don't want to play or those of you are singing from a different sing sheet, or song sheet are none of your business. It's not an issue. Study them from a distance, look at the cause of relationships, and that's it. No emotion. Totally no emotion because they're not your clients. They're none of your business. In the same way when I get people wanting to argue on the internet, Etc. Etc. I'm not interested in them. They're not a student. They haven't asked me a question. They're none of my business. They can say what they want. Wasting my, they're wasting their time because I'm not interested, and you shouldn't be interested, other than to study cause effect relations of these people in training. Your your focus should be on identifying people who share your values and respect your contribution and want to work with you. So Ronald and, and uh, Rick, long way to answering your question, but hopefully uh, in light of the, your personal experiences over the last two weeks, Rick's at a professional development conference and, and Ronald is he's traveling around um, his hometown there and, and, and seeing people training. Hopefully some of the things we've talked about have been of value today for you. Yeah, certainly have. Thanks for the opportunity. What are, you, what are your thoughts, Ronald? Yeah, I mean, it's been very informative and I think it's just, it's reassuring that, um, as you say, that don't bother what, what other people are thinking, what other people are doing. People who truly want to find um, a real way to train as such will, will come and source source the, source the people who are following um, your philosophies. 
Absolutely. And, and it's one of the greatest giveaways when someone else gets threatened by your difference in training, you know they're not really confident about what they're doing. They don't feel comfortable about it. Um, you know, we've gone through different eras. Back in the 1980s, and I was lifting, uh, competing in, in powerlifting, for example, I would spend an hour to an hour and a half stretching before a workout. Now, I'm in the gym, you know, uh, in the heavyweight category, sprawled all over the carpet, spending an hour, an hour and a half. Nobody cared. They just walked over the top of me. The other lifters would come in later. They'd lift. No one, no one said anything. No one cared. It just was. They just weren't interested. It was not a factor. But if you did that now, you'd have people coming at you with, you know, why are you doing that? That's bad. It'll weaken you. Blah 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 blah. Not because they're any more knowledgeable. They were. It's just because they've got a stronger paradigm, a stronger dogma that they're holding onto, and they'd feel threatened. But in the 80s, no one, no one had a strong opinion about flexibility. Some people did it, some people didn't. Who cared? So it's, it's been an interesting um, change for me. Um, you know, there, there were some differences. For example, I was wearing neoprene, neoprene knee sleeves from the early 80s onwards, and I've been publishing that recommendation uh, right through. Um, that was something that people would question me about in that era, whereas now everybody's wearing neoprene knee sleeves, and therefore it's not a threat. So it's, it's, it's an interesting to study human reaction over time. And remember, don't be that person that's threatened by someone else. I, I actually enjoy occasionally going and training with different environments and um, training with other people using different ways. Uh, it, it, there might not be things I do on a regular basis, but it's just a, it's a cultural experience. So hopefully I've helped uh, Ronald and Rick out today in, in relation to their emotional responses. Um, to summarize, I celebrate when people go in a different way because they're my test pilots, they're my crash test dummies, they're my control group, call it what you want, but they help me confirm my hypotheses or otherwise. And the fact that they are, are training differently, provided this what the masses are doing, confirms again that I'm ahead or doing differently because if I was doing whatever else is doing, I'd be very concerned. If I was out there today doing an inverted commas dynamic warm up using the, the, the favorite six exercises like everybody else in all sports in all, all countries in both genders in all all levels of sport inside and outside sport blah 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 um, I, I, I want to stick my fingers down my throat or, or worse okay so we do have time if there was a question or comment um, we've got a few people on the call today thank you um, we've, we've handled at least one question um, I think I'm guessing my friend from Croatia um, but he hasn't worked out how to take himself off mute or maybe he's not able to, so we've missed the opportunity to have a in-person dialogue. But if any others on the line wanted to have a quick chat, a quick question of any kind, um, just put your hand up electronically speaking and I'll take you off mute. Just letting you know my question panel is not fully opening, so it would be best to speak in person if you had a, had a question or a comment. So, at this stage, it looks like there is not, unless there is a, a malfunction. So just letting those know that I'm not seeing your hand put up electronically speaking. Or a question in the, in the question panel. Okay, so Ronald um, and Rick, I appreciate you mo moving your schedule for us today to have that chat. I, I think what you're facing now is quite, quite common, um, at least very common to early stage KSI coaches. 
And, you know, it, it's, it comes down to sometimes how much pressure you put under to go back and conform, like the old crabs in the crab bucket story, as to how, how, how you stay, whether you stay in the path and how f- much further you go on the path. But it's certainly been uh, worthwhile for you to do so far, even though it's caused a bit of internal perturbation. Okay, so we will wrap that. I'm not seeing any, any hands up electronically speaking. And appreciate everybody who joined in. Uh, trust it was valuable for you. And Rick and Ronald will be you know, talking via email and text, etc., as we do um, in the next day or so. Appreciate. Great. Thanks, Ian. All the best. Thanks, Ronald. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. Uh, thanks, Ian. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ronald. Thanks, Rick.